Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. We got Brent here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> told, told you I'd start that way. <laughs> We're on a start. Yeah. So, uh, Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for coming aboard. Yeah, We're, on, We're on Mighty Sparrow this time, which is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess I always start out the same way. You know, what what are you floating on right now? Uh, right now I have a Bristol forty one point one. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. How long have you had that? Uh, I've had it for uh, almost two years now. Oh wow! Okay, okay. But, and, hey, were you were you sailing before before you had, bought that boat? Uh, yeah, I had a little twenty five footer that I sailed on mostly on Lake Huron, some Lake Michigan. That's right. North That's the Channel. Michigan connection. Right, exactly. Yes. yes. Oh, very cool. I survived that, so I thought I'd try it again. Do people always ask you if you've done the Chicago Mac race? Uh some, not not all. I I get that all the time. Yeah. Okay. And I've never done it. I've always thought Great Lakes sailing is cold <laughs> and wet, choppy. I don't know. I've never I've never enjoyed it all that that much. The the small little inland lakes, I love that because right. those are usually eighty degrees in the summer. So. Yes, yes, that's where I learned to sail when I was a kid on a little like sunfish kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. On a little inland lake, and that was yeah. a lot of fun. Very cool. What was the name of the lake? Uh it was uh, Lake of the Hills or something like that in Hazlitt, Michigan. Hazlitt. Wow. Yeah. Down south. Uh, it's right outside of Lansing. It's a little, uh, oh, okay, okay. like bedroom community to, to Lansing. Yeah, yeah. Michigan, I mean, that that's one of the coolest things. If you look at the map of Michigan, there's literally thousands of right. lakes. And, yeah. Oh, man. Some of them are absolutely beautiful. Deep water, blue, green, spring fed. Some of them are, you know, that tea brown, mm -hmm. like the shallow ones and stuff. But right. We've got quite a few up up near Petoskey. Have you ever seen uh, like Lake Charlevoix and uh, yeah. all that stuff? Yep. Charlevoix is pretty big. Yeah. That's got to be, I don't know, 15 miles long, 20 miles long, something like yeah. that, if not more. I had a, <clears throat> a speedboat ace take up there every year, Sea uh, Ray, 24-foot bow oh, rider okay. kind of boat. Yeah, yeah. We'd go up camping uh, at Young State Park, which is oh, just yeah. outside of Boyne. Uh-huh, oh, yeah. And sometimes we'd go up to Round Lake or... You know, hang out in Charlevoix and go out to the, you know, the big lake, but not so much in a powerboat. That was kind of scary. Yeah, the big lake, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I, I was really spoiled down in the Caribbean because there's just always wind down there. Mm. And then after 10 years or so, going back to Michigan, you get down to the lake, like, oh, what's going on? It's like a mirror. How <laughs> come? And that's when people are water skiing, powerboating, and doing all that stuff. But, boy, for sailing... I just remember being shocked at how many days in a row there would not be a breath of wind out there. Right. It's either all or nothing, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It's a great place for sure, to, I think, to, to learn how to sail and definitely getting into boating and stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like almost everybody in Michigan has water within at least, like, 20 miles. Everybody, right. I would think, yeah. But Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome that way. It's a good place to good place to grow up. I liked it. I mean, I I was way up north, 
in no man's land. That's right. You're way up there by Traverse City, right? Uh, even north of that. Once you get north of the 45th parallel, uh, things get weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you go above the Mackinac Bridge, and I love the UP. Don't get me wrong. I go camping up there all the time. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. But, boy, it's that place. I mean, there's just deer and there's trees and... Yeah. Not a whole lot of anything else. If if winter wasn't so long up there, I would for sure love to have a piece of property or something up there cuz property is super cheap up there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great for snowmobiling, but and that's about it. Yeah, it's those winters. I got a buddy that, that their family they live up in Marquette. Mm-hmm. And I think pretty much they start skiing in like October and they don't finish until like May. Right. I believe it. Yeah. So it's winter wonderland. Yes, absolutely. Well, so as far as making the transition from sort of small boats and stuff, what was what was it that got you to a point where you wanted to hop on this big old beast you got over there? Uh, let's see how that happened. I didn't sail for like fifteen years. Uh, I was busy raising kids and doing the job, career, oh, torture. Wow. How, how many kids do you have? Uh, two. Two? All yep. Right. And, uh, then one day a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, let's go uh, sailing. So we went out Lake Michigan and I was like, wow, what, what am I doing? Why don't I have a sailboat? You know, I had one, but I got rid of it because I didn't have time to take care of it. Yeah. Like and so. Small one or what? Yeah, it was that 25 footer I had. Oh, right, right. <clears throat> it was trailable, so it was fun. You could take it places. Like I took it to the North Channel and spent a week up there. That was pretty neat. Oh, nice. In Canada, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's like uh, just thousands of little rock islands and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right, right yeah. Tricky navigation, though, isn't it? Because there's a lot of rocks under under the water. Uh, Well, the charts seem pretty good. We but... didn't hit anything. <laughs> yeah. I didn't run into too much. <laughs> didn't sink, made it back. There we go. Success. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I don't know if you ever remember if you overlapped at all with Walt um down here but he did the great loop and yes. that was one of his he, was he last year. loved it up there yeah uh, but he said boy you know navigation around there he'd be l- looking at his navionics charts and stuff just staring at it in disbelief that there were just so many little obstacles and rocks and things that, well that might have been the problem yeah i well, know sometimes when I, when I did it we didn't have that stuff yeah, you just had well, the paper charts and you guessed where you were and you, know. you don't know anything gonna hurt you until <laughs> exactly. it does <laughs> so you were up there I, you guys out for like a week or something yep did a week nice yep well, i went way back into bayfin which is <clears throat> part of the clarney provincial park yeah which is kind of like one of our national parks so it was really beautiful desolate wilderness you know so wait is that in on the u.s side that's a, that's in canada that's in canada oh, yeah okay yeah uh it was like a three-hour drive east from the sioux once we crossed over Oh, yeah, yeah. drive way east and then down onto Manitoulin Island and then sailed east again from there. And, uh, yeah, just beautiful. And adventurous. Yeah, Yeah, it was very nice. And that was the spark, huh? Uh, Well, I'd done a fair amount of sailing, but then, uh, like I say, I just got busy with kids and career and stuff. And then my friend took me sailing. I'm like, i got to get a boat. So I started looking and thinking and... uh, didn't find anything that really caught my eye as far as the size I wanted to live in. Yeah. Uh, in the Michigan area. So I started looking on the East Coast and made some trips down here. And 
Oh, so originally you were thinking having a Great Lakes boat. Yeah, right. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Because if you can find a boat from the Great Lakes, they have a lot less wear and tear on them because... Yeah, there's no salt, corrosion. It's it's pretty incredible. If you go to a boatyard in Michigan and look at some of these boats, I mean, there's not a lick of rust on any of them. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, right. They just... Well, they only get used three months a year, and so they're minimally used you know the biggest so. damage is is busted pipes when people don't put antifreeze in them <laughs> right. yeah right you got to make sure you lay them up properly for sure right so yeah i found a boat that i liked in uh oriental and pursued buying it and bought it and then it's like okay i got a boat down here but i got a house and all this crap in michigan like snowmobiles and i had another power boat there and all kinds of stuff and so right right so i had it took me a long time to make all that stuff go away <laughs> yeah well you know i was richard and i were were doing a podcast yesterday and that was one of the things we talked about was you know the the fact that he had to go through and completely like sort of simplify his life as far as all the material possessions that he had and he tried to give it away to his kids. His kids were like, nah, we're, we're good. We don't need any of this stuff. And he ended up donating it to um, Habitat for Humanity. Nice. Like all his furnishings, all that sort of stuff, pianos, everything. It's, it's pretty Wow. Crazy. Fortunately for me, when I because I just did this last year, Facebook Marketplace is an excellent place to get rid of, like, anything. I mean, you can sell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah used paper almost on her i mean well because i mean it, there's there's really it's basically like ebay facebook marketplace craigslist but craigslist always seems to always sort of be a little shady yeah it always attracts the weirdos that you know are trying to scam you or something like that I, yeah i've never I just, any any interactions i've ever had on it have never been great right so, right a facebook marketplace huh yeah i sold no oh. <clears throat> thousands of things on there i just walk around my house take pictures of shit and really guess what it's worth put it on there if it didn't sell in a week i dropped the price a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. didn't sell in two weeks i drop it some more eventually it all went away so is that like house car everything uh, i didn't sell my house that way but i did sell like i had welders and drill presses and bandsaws right, right. and just all the all kinds of stuff. tools yeah, right yeah. i sold a boat lift <clears throat> i sold my other boat uh, a car. I saw, yeah, I sold all kinds of stuff on there. Holy smokes. Yeah. Well, you have to, though, because, I mean, that's, that is, I think, one of the beauties of being on a boat is that you have a certain amount of room. There's no backyard. <laughs> you know, you can pile stuff up on the deck, but it's going to get wet. Exactly. You know? I so, know. I'm not tempted to buy anything anymore. Cause. <laughs> isn't it? It's so crazy. I I end up telling people no, that I can't I can't accept certain things and, and right. stuff just because I don't have the room for it. My closet is, is you know, two feet by three feet, and that's it. Right. So, and then, I mean, obviously, this is a pretty tiny boat. I'll have to, I'll have to pop on your boat before I leave. I'd love to see it. Yeah, it's below. almost uh, habitable now. I know. Well, so let me ask you, when you when you got that boat, was it sort of a known project boat? You know how some some boats, some people look for that. They're like, all right, I want a boat in this price range and this size, and I want to spend two years fixing her up. Was that sort of the plan? <clears throat> Not entirely. Uh, I kind of knew because, you know, the boat's an 83, so it's, you know, it's got some age on it. I knew there'd be some of that stuff. 
But I tried to find a boat that was mostly ready to go, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah. I looked at three identical Bristol 41s and at three different price points. One, the cheapest one, the guy's idea of maintenance was, oh, this is broken. Let's just take it off, throw it away, and we'll never replace it again. So, <laughs> A lot of like dead-end wires hanging out of holes in walls. Yeah, exactly. So right. it was like pretty much back to the bare-bones haul. Wow. And so when I tried to price out everything you'd have to put on a boat to make it work, you know, like if you want to have an inverter or you want to have, you know. Oh, all those, they add up so fast. Right. And, and it, it adds another like 5, 10K onto the actual price. Well, I'll, ironically, it ended up being, I, can't, I forget what the numbers were, but it would have cost me like $70,000 to put everything on that boat that it needed because it, it needed God. to be repowered. It needed oh, uh, so it sales. Needed it needed yeah, everything, yeah. you know. So it was like, wow. So the cheapest boat out there is, by the time we get it ready to go, is going to be the most expensive boat. So I ended right. up picking a boat that most of the stuff seemed to be functional and most of it still works fine. Uh and that, ironically, a higher purchase price, but less work to in do. In the end, yeah, and, it's cheaper. And cheaper to get on water. I ran into the same thing because I looked at about six, like physically went on board and looked at about six different West sales. And so many of them, you know, they didn't have a wind vane on back or they didn't have a life raft or they didn't have this, that, and the other thing. And after a while, I started to actually add that up. And I was in the same boat. I was thinking to myself, holy cow, okay, well, if I get that one, even though it's 36 grand, it's going to cost 12 grand just to get all the stuff that that one over there has. And they only want 40 for that one, sort of thing. So right. it was, yeah. I was lucky, though. I mean, with this boat, the engine has been pretty much a dream, you know, knock on wood, but it's an old one. It's an old Perkins 4108. Mm-hmm. And they sort of have this reputation of just being able to run forever. But, oh, nice. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I know it's been rebuilt. Um, I've put about twelve hundred hours on it or something, but mm. I maintain it pretty well. I mean, I I change the oil a lot. I'm always tinkering with it and everything. And right. I suppose that's that's probably the best thing you can always do. It's it's the neglect, and if it sits unused. Right. For two years, you'd go and fire it up, and that's where the cobwebs. It may or may not work. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, luckily for me, this boat had been repowered with a beta. Oh, nice. Like a brand new one? Uh, well, it was new 20 years ago, but. But it only had like 700 hours on it, so it was like almost, you know, barely broke in. So, uh, and it was kind of funny because I was always kind of skeptical. I'm like, God, these hours are too low to be, almost seems too good to be true. You know what's going on? And right after I took possession of the boat, some guy walks up on the dock and introduces himself as one of the previous owners. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was the craziest story. So you get a little nitty gritty. Yeah, so he's, dirt. right, he's like, yeah, I owned the boat during these years. And I knew the guy that owned it after that. And the person owned it after that. But the person repowered is before me. And I used it some, but... The next couple of people, they just never used the never used it, so it just didn't never accumulated any hours. Right, right, right. <clears throat> so I'm like, all right, well, at least I don't I don't feel like I'm always wondering if somebody reset the hour meter or something. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I know, I know, right. Well, and I I suppose it's probably a lot easier to do that to a boat 
a boat's like a hour meter than it is oh, to an yeah, odometer. You just on unscrew a, it out of the cockpit. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if the laws are the same because in a car, that's highly illegal, isn't it? Oh, totally right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, I don't know. It, it's so crazy. I I was always worried about the engine. That was because that's just an area where I don't know a whole lot. I mean, I've got the big book, you know, the old. Boat owners, mechanical, no. electrical manual, and that helps and stuff. But, geez, when things start going wrong with that, I don't know. It's the one thing where I, I feel like I have no real control. But mm. now, you know, after five years and dealing with issues and, and things like that, it's definitely helped. But I know when I was buying the boat, I was like, well, it looks clean <laughs> and it sounds good. So. It runs. <laughs> All right. Great. There you go. Right, right. Yeah. But we did, you know, the the first, the maiden voyage of Sparrow was from West Palm Beach down to the BVI. And oh, nice. two days out, the siphon break for the exhaust and everything was no good. And so it just sucked seawater right into the engine. And Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad because... We didn't know what went wrong with it, but when I got down there and had a buddy of mine look at it, he told me what it was, and there wasn't any damage. You know, he was like, as long as you haven't opened it up, you know, it can sit in there. It's just oil and salt water, and it's not, it doesn't sound great, but he was like, as long as you, you know, there's not a lot of air in there, it's totally fine. So, and I've actually done that three times on this boat now. So I've learned the hard way. Oh, man. And, yeah, you basically take the big cap off the engine, and then you run it, and it blows all the oil and salt water all over the place. <laughs> it actually happened the day I launched to go and do the trip around the world. Oh, man. I don't even know how, because I ran the engine um, while the boat was out of the water, and somehow... I don't know. It must have. There must have been a buildup of of water in the in the lift for the exhaust or something because it rolled right back in. Oh no! I know. I was thinking to myself, "Geez, hopefully this is the only time." Oh uh, yeah, what a way <laughs> to start your trip. <laughs> but I've actually had to do that that full repair once out at sea, um, in not bad conditions, but pretty rolly conditions. That'd be a challenge. In, yeah, towards Dominica. Oh man, what a pain! But so. So you're still working on everything now, huh? Yeah, I'm getting there. <clears throat> what sort of projects are you working on now? Oh, I've been working on the heads. Oh, The yes. uh, tubing was old and very stinky, so it yeah. all needed to be ripped out and replaced. Did it have, let me ask you, was it any of it like calcified inside of there? Surprisingly, no. Really? No, it wasn't, but it stunk like crazy. Yeah, oh, I'll bet. Sometimes that's uh, the stale, you know, poo smell permeates that plastic i think right it does and it just it just stays in there I, oh it permeates the whole boat you know oh yeah yeah it starts in the head <clears throat> and it, it sort of works its way out <laughs> if you don't deal with it and it, it's not something where you can just you think oh you know i'll just pour a little bleach in there or something pump it through no it doesn't, no it doesn't work well it took it 10 years to get through the hose so it's gonna keep exactly, going for yeah, yeah. a while well i had uh the one time that my system clogged up, excuse me, uh, was down in the islands. And I went to pull apart, you know, you can pull all the hoses apart and all that stuff. All the hoses are, I don't know, two inches thick or something like that. And literally, there was only a hole in the center this big. It was all calcified, Ooh. 
or I don't even know if that's the right word, really, but it's it's basically I think urine has a reaction with salt water. That's what I've heard, yeah. And so yeah. it just slowly builds up. So it basically just formed this big donut. And I had to, I was able to keep the pipes. Pipes were fine, but I basically had to bend them and crack this stuff out. And it, it looked like um, porcelain on oh, the inside. Wow. And it was about an inch thick. Wow. <laughs> I'm sitting out there just like crunching it and... <laughs> <laughs> emptying these things these hoses out and i had to go through the whole system and oh. get it sorted out yeah <clears throat> but it works do you have fancy heads on there or you get the normal ones uh <clears throat> well one thing i did because of what you're talking about is i dumped gallons of vinegar through the system Ooh. over a couple of months beforehand i and never even thought so that might that. have minimized that problem yeah 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 so uh and i've heard that it's supposed to help so yeah, well, the acid in, in the vinegar. I wonder if lime juice would do it, too. It might, yeah. Mm. Anything strongly acidic might get it Helps back in suspension. Helps with kidney stones. There you go. Little little <laughs> wedge of lemon, little pro tip here for an uh, older gentleman, you know. Have, I, that's one thing I've been doing lately is uh, after, if I get a, a hankering to have, like, a second cup of coffee, right. instead what I'll do is just cut a lemon wedge, throw it in there, hot water, and drink that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Man, I just did it to avoid too much coffee, but uh, that's discipline. I everybody just, said I just it. hammer Everybody's the second like, cup oh, you and the third. And... Yeah, I know, right? It's easy to do. <laughs> totally. I've always so I always sort of limited myself because I I always saw coffee as a new addiction. You know, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to do all this sort of stuff, and. I guess cigarettes were the one that I was just full on. There wasn't even a chance of me ever quitting sort of thing. But I saw coffee as that next step. It was like my gateway. <laughs> like you need another one. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, man. I Well, I feel like I could just drink coffee all day. And I, I still remember we had a teacher. He was like my sixth grade geography teacher, Mr. Murdoch. And he used to say he drank 40 cups of coffee a day. Wow. Yeah. Like, all day, cup in his hand. <laughs> they can't be good, right? You didn't have the shakes or something? Uh, you know, no, not, well, not that I noticed. I do remember, and again, this was back in the 80s, um, there was like a field trip, and there were a few of us that ended up going and riding in his car, and the rest of everybody else was on like the small van or something, and uh, he was smoking cigarettes in the car. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how different life was back in the eighties. It was so oh. innocent; nobody cared. Yo, you're not kidding. I it's funny you say that. I was talking to someone the other day about. I remember when I was a kid in the seventies, flying uh, on American Airlines. My dad worked for American Airlines in California. Oh, okay, yeah. And I live with my mom in Oklahoma, so I'd fly out there a couple times. Did you get to go first class? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah, it was awesome. And like, I'll, I remember you could look at towards the back of the plane, but you couldn't see the back of the plane because so everybody smoky. back there would just be like chain Off smoking like crazy. Oh my gosh. How did it smell on the airplane when it was like that? Did it, was they have... it was okay in first class, but if you went to use the bathroom in the back of the plane, it was pretty early. It was pretty bad. Huh? Oh, yeah. Holy smoke. So, yeah. So it's funny, they still have no smoking th signs on planes nowadays. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, It's one of those things. I, I saw some little video recently. Um, they were like, "Why? this is why planes still have ashtrays in the bathrooms. And I know they still have them 
Well, actually, I think the newer planes don't have them in the seats. I could be wrong. I haven't flown in like two years now. But I know they always have them in the bathroom, and supposedly it's because if you do go and break the rule, yeah. they don't want you to burn throw a plane it down. in the trash and burn the freaking plane down. Yeah, that's, that's so It's like a preventative <laughs> thing. I, I don't know. I think my older brother, he got to smoke cigarette on a flight in France in the early 90s, maybe. Mm. That was his only experience doing it, but... I don't know. I, I just watched all the smoking sections disappear in the airports. Yeah. Slowly but surely. But, you know, now I'm not a smoker, so uh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. It right. used to be a focal point of my life, though. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 I can Crazy. imagine. So we got off topic there. Sorry. Um, working on the heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun stuff. So how many heads do you have on board? Two. One Two? in front, oh, okay. one in back. <clears throat> and what I figured out was that Whoever did the plumbing did a terrible job because there were all these dips and low spots that would just kind of hold on to stuff. Oh, yeah. Instead yeah. of it draining to the tank. Right. And so. And then you get air pockets too, right? Uh, yeah, that too. Yeah, good point. But it just wasn't flowing. And that really, supposedly, from the stuff I read, there's this amazing lady, Peggy Hall, has a very interesting book about odors in a boat really yeah and so i read her book and I actually call i call i sent her an email and she called me and talked her talked through me about a couple things i was trying to figure out really neat lady yeah yeah uh she worked for rare tan for a while and because she came out with some products uh some like enzyme based cleaners that would help with odor problems on boats and stuff like that yeah. and <clears throat> she ended up selling that to all rare tan she's retired now but Really neat lady, and she has a good book, and I read through it all. It's like, oh, you know, kind of makes sense. It all seemed kind of really basic, but, yeah, I don't know. They did a terrible job, so it took me a while to make sure I didn't reinstall it the same way as the before. The same way, yeah, yeah. With, well, it does, I mean, especially when you add the second one. How many holding tanks do you have? Just one. Just one? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It does get complicated. I mean, this boat is fairly simple. I've just, obviously, I have one head, one holding tank. And it's it's pretty easy peasy, but yeah, when you throw two or possibly three in there, mm. and then some people have those fancy. I've seen the suction heads. I've seen the macerator pump, electric ones. Um, I don't know. I this one actually came with this really fancy looking thing, and it had a macerator pump. But literally, when you hit that button, I think the amps were up. I don't. I don't think it was twenty amps of juice that it was taking, but it was close. Mm. I mean, it was like, <laughs> and you had to hold it for, I don't know, ten, fifteen <coughs> seconds each time. Really? It was basically wow. the kind of the kind of head that you would have on, you know, a motor yacht, basically. And right. This guy installed it in there, thinking like, oh, this will be Jim Dandy. <laughs> this is great for an offshore adventure boat. And that was one of the first things that I ended up replacing on this boat with. You know, $130 Jobsco basic unit. There you go. And as long as you have a spare parts kit for the actual hand pump, I mean, it's bulletproof, you know? Right, right. But that, when on that maiden voyage with my father, uh, we ended up, because we didn't have the engine um, and a few other little problems, we drained the batteries at one point. Mm. And uh, so the head wouldn't work. 
So the bucket came into play. Yeah, it's always good to have the backup bucket. Got to have the backup bucket, but boy, that sucks. Like <laughs> it's not fun. And luckily, I didn't have to use it because by the time you know I needed it, uh, it was already the next day. The sun came out, got the solar and all that. But uh, the bucket. People that I I was actually coaching this guy who wanted to do uh, a trip around the world. I don't know. I think he's bailed on the whole project, but. He wanted to, he was like, well, I don't want to have a head. I want to use that for storage. I'm going to just use a bucket. And we're talking about a nine-month trip around the, the world. Way? Jeez. And I'm just thinking to myself, dude, every day you're going to be using that. You're probably going to want, you know, a nice, <laughs> nice little, nice little I, you know, put some pictures up in there. Make it enjoyable. Get some incense. I don't know. I can't imagine trying to use a bucket in really rolly seas. You're going to oh bounce around the boat. And- I'll tell you, once I did see, I saw some video clip, and these guys had put, and this is just for offshore sailing, obviously, but they had made like a toilet seat that connects to a stanchion and has a little like halyard hookup. Oh, there you go. So basically, the it's just a toilet seat hanging over the side of the boat, so they could just go sit on that. Yeah, there they you go. They call that the direct deposit. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's pretty cool, I must say. <laughs> That's a little jealous. That's hardcore. Yeah, yeah, right. But they had more than one person. I don't know. I've always felt a little uneasy about hanging over the edge, uh, you know, by myself because one little slip and all of a sudden, yep, goodbye. Yep, there goes the boat. And you're floating around with a couple of floaters with you. That's not a good way to go. <laughs> no doubt. So you got that. What What other big projects uh, have you been – or what, what did you – what was sort of – I guess I guess when you hopped on the boat, was it sort of one of those things where you're looking around and you're like, "Wow, I can do so much with this boat." Hmm. <clears throat> uh, well, actually, at first it was like kind of a little bit overwhelming trying to figure out all the boat systems. Yeah, yeah. Because the boat I had before was kind of like camping more than anything. You know, it had an alcohol stove, no running water. Right. You know, it didn't even have a pump toilet it had well i guess it pumped sort of it was like one of those little oh little box things yeah with right the, that you yeah. unscrew it from the floor and take it out to clean it out kind of thing right 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 <laughs> it dump was, it yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so it took a while to try to figure out what is all this stuff and what's going on because again this is your first big boat right exactly yeah. right and the electronics were just totally overwhelming uh previous owner <clears throat> I don't know, for some reason, you decided the boat needed to have four or five radios on it or something like that. Uh, and uh, like VHF radios? Uh, let's see. I have like two HF, VHF. SSB, all that stuff. Two VHF, uh, SSB, and a ham. Oh, wow. And Do you still just, use the ham? I've never even turned it on. you never even turned it on? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know well, you have that. to have a license for those. <clears throat> Although, I, don't, I, don't, I can't imagine anybody bust you these days. Right. So, and it's funny because I was trying to figure out, because, you know, you open a locker and there's well, a piece of electronics. What's this for? So, the boat was in Oriental when I went back up there last summer. <clears throat> I reached out to, because uh, I found a, a, a receipt. I reached out to the guy who did all the work. Oh, really? Nice. And I said, hey, you know, can I pay you for a couple hours to come on the boat and just explain to me what all this stuff is? Yeah. And it was kind of funny because he's like... Yeah, I told him that he should not put a ham antenna right next to that VHF antenna on top of the mast, but he made me do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, 
well, we don't even get into it. <laughs> Luckily, that's sort of a uh, a dying technology. It's been replaced basically oh, by totally. sat phones and all right. that. But there's still some ham aficionados out there because there are channels that people talk on and right. and you know that for for anybody that doesn't know for our audience um you know ham radios ssbs all that sort of stuff hf radios those used to be the way that sailors would link up so you'd basically either call a person directly who has their own setup at home or you could call like the coast guard or you know these these calling sort of stations and then they would connect you up with whoever you were trying to call and sometimes it cost money sometimes it didn't right but either way you i mean we're talking you had two or three different books for all the different frequencies and the amount of electricity that those things used was insane i yeah i gotta believe it because anything that's going to broadcast around the world has got to have some reasonable yeah, yeah. amount of power but i mean that was that was the thing is that i could be down you know in the depths of the southern ocean and those frequencies bounce off the ionosphere and back down, back down, and they just do this this zigzag. And then next thing you know, you're talking to somebody in California. Nice. It's crazy. Nice. I haven't played with it. I, from what I've read, you can do all kinds of things. You can do emails. You can get grib files. Uh, I think so. I mean, it depends on how new that system is and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the thing. I mean, sat phones and... You know, Iridium Go and all that have have just made it so simple for yeah. us modern folk to deal with that. Sure. And you know, if you have the time and the inclination to try to get back into you know using some of the old stuff, it's it can be cool. But again, there's definitely drawbacks. Right. So <clears throat> it's like it's like trying to you know put a record player on a boat. You know, it's cool. It spins. Oh. It looks really neat. I love vinyl. That's one of the things I had to give up because I knew that would not work on a bike. I know, I know. <laughs> I've got I've got an old record player at home, and uh, I don't know. I, there's something about just spinning them, and then 30 minutes later, you got to flip them, and <laughs> I don't know. I always liked them. I always liked them much. It seems somehow to be much more fulfilling than plugging in Pandora. Well, the sound quality is probably better. You know, I, I got to ask you this though. Do you really think that? Because when I listen to a record, I just hear a lot of well in the background. But right. I, I do know that they say the actual frequency of that, you know, like the sound wave and everything is smooth compared to the digital, which is just harsher. Yeah. So you're missing some of the actual. Yeah. It's definitely a smoother, nicer sound, I think. Yeah, I enjoy it. But I used to build my own tube amplifiers and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. What, what did you do before you got into sailing? Uh, I was an environmental engineer at General Motors. Oh, okay. And uh, <clears throat> But audio was always uh, a hobby. And uh, so I was always tinkering with stuff like that, building my own speaker cables and oh, amplifiers. Wow, okay. and yeah, yeah. All kinds of nerdy stuff like that. <laughs> hey, that was that was a lot of fun to do, especially back in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah. It well, you know, if you go into any really high-end audio store, they're all still tube amplifier stuff. It's definitely the cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah, for sound quality and everything, for <clears> sure. Right, so I had to give that up because they take a lot of power, and they don't like to be bounced around. No, they don't. <clears throat> well, I, and to be honest, you know, 
more and more rarely ever am I even seeing an installed stereo system on a boat. It's all Bluetooth speakers because they're they're super cheap, and when they crap out, you just get another one. Mm. And I mean, I that blue one um, that I have over there, I have literally had that for seven, eight years. Right, and it still works. I right. don't know They're how. Super portable. You can grab it, and go to the beach. Yeah, I can put it up in the cockpit. <clears throat> I can bring it down here. Yeah, I actually, when there's whales and dolphins around, I usually like to put Bob Marley on, and then I put it not in the bilge, but I can put it in a few of these cabinets mm-hmm. that that are connected right to the fiberglass hall. Right, and you see the behavior of the animals change. No kidding. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. Sometimes they scatter. <laughs> <laughs> Other times though, they'll come in closer <laughs> and they'll start like swimming in unison. I've had that happen a couple times. Nice. But. Well, you're gonna laugh when you come over my boat because I finally found <clears throat> a pair of decent sounding Bluetooth speakers, and then it took me like a month to figure out how to build speaker stands for them. Oh, really? Yeah, because I wanted to have good quality audio in my boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, then it was like. Well, great. Where am I? Gonna, I mean, they're, they're bookshelf speakers, but I don't have any bookshelves. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you get the mount. You're like, yeah. Where am I gonna? What bulkhead am I gonna screw this to? And yeah. So. Well, it makes a big difference. I, you know, that's one of the things I I've always enjoyed about this boat is there's really no TV on here, and that's that's probably one of the biggest differences between a normal house and a boat for me is that TV's just not there. So if you are listening to anything or have any sort of entertainment, it's either like a podcast or you're listening to music or you're reading a book. Right. And I find that, you know, sometimes, yeah, it'd be nice to be able to crank back and just watch TV, but. There's nothing there to watch. It's not very fulfilling. (laughs) You never finish up. So rarely do I ever finish watching TV and be like, yeah, that was I'm so glad I did that. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't happen. There went an hour of my life on every Right, back. right. But when I'm reading a book, I'll tell you, I that's one of the things I'm looking forward to um, for the trip north is I've I've got about three or four books that I've been saving because mm. I, I love it. You just like in my bunk the book will just always be there. Right. Sometimes I'll just jump into there and I don't know. I think of it as, you know, you, you're just getting like 30 minutes and then, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to go take a break, check things out up top. And, right. Oh, love it. There's one that I, I started, but then I had to stop myself. But it's about these guys that go camping and they're uh, caught in a big forest fire. Ooh. And they're just at the point where they're starting to see it looming over the horizon. So, Yikes. Yeah, suspenseful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I've never been a much of a TV watcher. I didn't have cable tv for i don't know five or six years before i moved on my boat yeah yeah there's a tv in the back bedroom but Gotta i'm not get sure rid if, of that i don't think it works i'm not sure i've never <laughs> tried to turn it on <laughs> yeah how many so how many how many room how many cabins do you have on the boat well it's got an aft cabin because the center cockpit and so is that the master stateroom yeah so to speak? right big double bed and all that uh, it's got a queen bed so oh really yeah it's got a little bit of room. And it's a Bristol 42? 41. 41. Yep. Man. And Bristol's are built tough. It is. It's built like a tank. Yeah. Quality. I mean, they're they're renowned for the the quality of everything. Interior, exterior, rigging, hull. I mean, they're 
they're solid, solid boats. Well, that was one of the reasons I <clears throat> was attracted to it is because it's got a solid fiberglass hull. No core, nothing. Right, yeah. no balsa core, nothing like that. I looked at, uh, well, I researched probably 100 plus boats. Oh, boat, really? Boat designs. And I remember one, I, for a while, I was like, I really want a pilot house design boat, you know, because that'd be kind of nice to be able to get in and out of the weather. Yeah, yeah. And be able to navigate and stuff, kind of like a not a cat or something like that. Well, you kind of have that with the enclosure. Yeah, right. But, you it, know, it's. It's Shit okay. hits the fan, the enclosure's got to Well, it's up. canvas. It'll still leak sometimes. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, true. But it does pretty good. I can't complain. It's it's the next best thing, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when I looked at it, I called the broker, and he's like, well, we were we almost had a buyer, and we discovered a, a problem. And so the boat's going to be out of commission for a few months. I'm like, so what's wrong with the boat? He's like, oh, they found some uh balsa core problems in the hall i'm like okay <laughs> nice to know you Bye. yeah right later <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't want that type of boat no well you know and it's just knowing that there's that weakness if you do get caught in that bad weather that's going to last for three four days and the boat's really taking a big pounding that's when the whole time you're just worrying. You're wondering if right. this is going to start separating. That's, you know, that noise is new. What's that? When you have a solid fiberglass boat or an aluminum boat or a steel boat, you can pretty much just be like, all right, just wait it out. It is what it is. Just yeah. ride it out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, although I, having said that, you know, those balsa core guys, super light, carbon fiber, all that layering. They were probably fast enough to get out of the weather. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes they are. Sometimes. Right. Sometimes they fold up, too. So. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Pros and cons with every boat. There's never, I've heard that said a million times, that there's never the perfect boat. There's no such thing. You're right. It's all which compromise can you tolerate versus a different one. You know, it's all trade-offs. How, how much have you sailed? Uh, what, what's, what's your boat's name? Uh, Bristol Star was the name Star. it came with. And oh, okay. I have not been able to come up with something that really strikes my passion for a better name, and it's still there. So It'll come to you. Someday. Don't rush it. Yeah. Ding. Just don't do one of those, you know, I don't know if it's the right wording, double entendre. Is that the right? Where, where it's, you know. Oh, a play on words kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Naughty time spelled K-N-O-T-Y. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, the boat was previously named Pearl Jam, but I thought, I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, wait, now, being an 80s, 90s kid now, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I did, I forget what they call it, where you, you know, have the Coast Guard give you their history of the boat, and it shows all the different owners and names and stuff like that. Oh, really? You can do that? Oh, yeah, 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 I've seen commercials for that. Like a title search kind of like thing. Yeah, yeah. So I did that just because I didn't want to have a situation where someday somebody knocks on my boat and says, "Uh, this boat owes me... $50,000 $50,000 for yard work somewhere. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because <laughs> they put a lien on it through the Coast Guard or something, but the name was funny anyway. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. <laughs> Good old Pearl Jam coming in you hot. Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. I used to love Pearl Jam. That's great. Yeah. It's a good, that, that whole Seattle grunge phase was, I thought it was super cool. Yeah. Some good jams came out of there. I actually still have some Pearl Jam on my iPhone. 
Nice. Yeah, you know. I got a couple Pearl Jam CDs somewhere in storage. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> well, so uh, what else? What else do we want to talk about this boat? I'm curious. I should have gone on board before. So then I, I could have really picked your brain about it. Oh. But, okay, so so you purchased the boat in Oriental. Where have you sailed it from there to get down here? <clears throat> so I got the boat in Oriental. But I was living in Michigan still. I had a house. Right, right. So you were all With no place. kitchen. Was it out of the water in Oriental? No, it was in the water the whole time. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I always worry about. I know. If I, I didn't leave like this that. boat for two hours, I'm sort of thinking, did I close all the things? Yeah. Did I leave the oven on? I That's hear just you. Me, though. I, ne- I never thought I'd have that virtual tether. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but crazy. yeah. So I got lucky because. The marina it was in when I bought it did not allow liverboards, and the only option was to do like a whole year lease and this kind of stuff. I'm like, wow, are they really strict about it? Yeah, they were. Oh wow. Uh, so I asked the broker, said, you know, any recommendations? So he said, well, take it to Wayfarers Cove, which is just you know down the down the down the way from uh, Oriental, maybe 15, 20 miles. Yeah. So I went there. And at the time, it was kind of run down looking, and it's like, yeah, this isn't great, but it was pretty cheap. It was like 270 bucks a month. Ooh, nice. So it's like, okay, this will do for now, you know, because I was, I couldn't sell my house because I totally ripped my whole kitchen out, <clears throat> and I needed to put a kitchen. You can't sell a house with, you know, two by four kitchen. Yeah. So, uh, so I was bouncing back and forth. I come down and I'd, Work on a few things that I could figure out needed to be worked on. <laughs> I'd go back to Michigan and work on the house back and forth. And then it started getting cold in December. I'm like, well, I think it's really cold up here. I think I should uh, go somewhere south. So I, a friend of mine jumped on with me, and we motored down the ICW because I hadn't checked out my fuel tanks. I wasn't confident taking the boat offshore yeah. yet because the last thing you want to do is get out there and stir up a big slug of slimy black stuff and, you know. <laughs> I hear you. Well, it is. It's always a little nerve wracking. I mean, I, I, it's kind of funny though that you say that because I'm, I'm of the opposite opinion where I'm like, I would rather be in a position where I don't need the motor mm. uh, and can just rely solely on the sails. Right. Even if I just have to drift for a while or whatever. What always sort of unnerves me is, is being in a, a place where I'm like, boy, I hope this engine doesn't conk out right now yeah that would not be good like anchor ready right yeah right it's always good to have a good anchor yeah yeah. it's your backup plan but so you guys set out yeah so we took off middle of december maybe around 10th or something like that and probably already pretty chilly it was there were a couple nights where it was like in the 30s and we're you have a heater and everything on yeah i got a propane wall heater so that did nice pretty nice for a couple nights that we needed it and uh Got to Orient down here to Beaufort and kind of ran out of time. I was like, well, this looks like a decent marina. I'll just leave the boat here for a while. And it worked out great because Beaufort's a nice little town. Yeah. Nice oh, yeah. marina. Conveniently placed, you know, grocery stores, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Nice all the conveniences you need. So I kind of, kind of got dumb lucky on that one. Yeah, because you, you, you don't have a car here, do you? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. you do? Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. I still have a car. It's a pain in my neck. 
I'm trying to get all the little things fixed on it so I can make it go away. Yeah, so yeah, yeah right. I don't want to have a car. It's just annoying. Tell you, it's it's so weird. I I don't have one, and it seems like people are always offering their car up. Like they're always, hey, if you need to go to the grocery or blah blah blah. I don't know. Well, you got Amazon. I mean, do you really need a car? <laughs> true, it's true. I mean, I, you know, anything you really need, you can just order. I mean, I. Yeah, I don't know. And Walt, you were talking about earlier, he really took it to the next level. He showed me how he'd get online in the morning and order all his groceries from Walmart, and he'd deliver it right here to the marina. Really? Yeah, by oh, like wow. 2 o'clock. And then they'd let him know, and he'd go grab a cart, and he'd go up and meet the guy and get all his groceries. I'm like, wow, you really don't need a car at all. Holy smokes. So. Huh. Yeah. So, I didn't even know that's possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, wow, Walt. <laughs> He's got a, like, Walt, he just has it all figured out, that guy. So. <laughs> yep, he sure does. So, so, yeah, I came down here and then <clears throat> kept the boat here till August last year. And then was kind of worried about the hurricane action here. So, yeah. Sailed up back up north. I was going to go to Chesapeake Bay, Delta Villa. I was thinking that'd be kind of a different place to go to. But the weather turned kind of south and. The person was with me it was turning kind of green, so I decided to go into uh, Beaufort and end up going to uh, New Bern and drop my boat there for a while. And that, oh, up in North Carolina. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Up in North Isn't Carolina. Isn't that one Beaufort? Yes, Beaufort. That's Did Beaufort. I say it wrong? We're in Beaufort. I know. I've I've been chastised for I that well, wrong. that's it. I've been I've been I've heard plenty of comments on TikTok where people are like, "Dude, it's Beaufort." And I'm You're like, right. I'm, it is Beaufort. I'm, well, but I'm talking about here. And here it's Beaufort. And they're and, spelled the same. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Beaufort. And they're both but... named after some royal family. The same royal family. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh when uh, these areas got established under some king or whatever, he's like Oh, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah. this is old. I mean, these are old, like, pirate waters. This is old buccaneers. Right. There's so much crazy back. history here. Right, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. But for some reason, they pronounce it totally different. And I was talking to some guy one day. He said, yeah, I feel like I've gone a long way. I've gone from Buford to Buford. And he's like, no, son, you don't understand. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, 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 That's no, no, Beaufort, no. and this is Buford. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then you've got the... <laughs> I think they call it the Beaufort Sea, which is up uh, above Alaska in the Arctic. Oh, yeah, right. And yeah, then there's yeah. also the Beaufort Wind Scale, which is what they use over in England. Yeah, right. Which is, you know, 1 through 12. Right. So, I don't know, crazy. But it's all spelled the same, right? Right, yep. Yeah. So that was my first offshore adventure in the boat, and it was it was, it was awesome. Yeah. How many days was that? Oh, like two and a half. We two made it from here to there in about two and a half days. Oh, that's not too bad. So we made pretty good progress. We averaged around seven knots. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fast. You two knots. You got two knots on me there, guy. <laughs> this old tub, old Sparrow, she she likes to take her time, you know, because she's, she's been there. She's done that. It's all about right. the There you go. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. At least that's what I say. Yeah. So what... Um, What's the, any, any future plans? Are you, are you sticking around here this summer? Uh, so if I can get on, get all my stuff done, I got a short list of things that I must get done. Yeah. Uh, and in about three weeks, I'm hoping to maybe head back up North Carolina again and hang out there for about a month. Okay. And, uh, 
and then I'll wait there for Jamie to join me and then take off and just head north. Maybe I'd love to make it to Maine, but that might be yeah, Maine's pretty it. ambitious. I don't know. We'll see. Just it's pretty cool up there. I mean, it, it it's it's a heck of a sail to get up there because I think eventually, I don't know, somewhere past the Chesapeake, like then it it becomes more coastal cruising and right. There's and not really an ICW up there, from what I can see. No, not really. You can you can sort of skirt. Uh, Cape Cod by going through the Cape Cod Canal, so oh, that right. you know it's. I think that starts up in like Buzzards Bay area and then cuts across and then dumps you out just south of Boston, right? Um, and that cuts a huge amount off. But I've never done it, but I always, you know, I've been told about it. People always ask me, they're like, well, "How come you don't do that?" And I, I try and explain that as when you're by yourself. I mean you're going to be awake for the 24 hours that it takes you to cut across all the fishing and shipping mm. to get to the canal. Yes. Then you're going to be awake the whole time you're in the canal and then another 24 hours trying to get past all the traffic out of Boston. So for me, I'd much rather go out Way around, around George's bank and sort of risk the bad weather out there. But I don't know, knock on wood. I've, I've, I've seen some, some, not pleasant weather, but I've never I've never got my teeth kicked in around George's Bank, mm. which is really a dangerous place. The currents that rip around that that area are just insane, mm. absolutely insane. But that and you know, like when I I've done a lot of reading about you know the old fishing schooners and everything that was out there, and just the horrific stories of. You know, there's a hundred of these boats. They're all anchored out there, and then a huge nor'easter blows in, and suddenly the waves are 60 feet tall, and and boats are like falling on top of each other. Mm. Boats are drifting past. People are just dying left, right, and center. And it's sort of like, oh man, that came out of nowhere. <clears throat> so well, spooky. They it's didn't spooky have weather boat. forecasting like we have today at all. So no, no. They, Back they then it was like, <laughs> yeah, right. Was, well, who knows? Who knows? I mean, random stuff can happen for sure. Well, there's a there's a great still one of the coolest stories I've ever read about that area is called the Fatal Forecast, and hmm. I, it, it took place in the early or mid '80s, and it was a a lot an offshore lobster boat. I think it was called the Sea Fever or something like that. These guys go out, and unbeknownst to them, the NOAA forecasting buoy in the Gulf of Maine was being fixed and then the one at george's bank was malfunctioning and so they went out with a forecast saying it was going to be pretty normal and then within 12 hours or something like that it was blowing 100 and the waves were you know 80 feet tall and wow. they ended up pitch pulling and and this one guy ernie hazard survived in a life raft in basically a sweatshirt and his underwear oh my god all night through this horrible storm like oh my god the story is great i don't want to spoiler alert <laughs> i guess but um we'll gosh, that again. i don't know it, it's the name of its fatal forecast Fatal forecast I'll great great out. book okay. um put that gosh. on my reading list yeah i don't know i don't know who wrote it i really should probably know that before i start spouting off about it but it's fantastic well, and it's, it's a good an, it's an audio book as well so uh it's a real intense one though. That one, you know, I like to I like to read, you mm -hmm. know, audiobooks or listen to audiobooks right. you know, when I'm sleeping. Right. But some of them 
if I listen to the nightmares and things that happen in my head, like when the voice of the person's pretty intense, right? It's kind of like, whoa, that was a weird dream. So I have to pick and choose, <laughs> <laughs> sort of make sure I'm getting the right one. There you go. Yeah. Well, so so ideas of trying to yeah get a little bit north, and is that mostly just to escape the hurricanes or the uh, threat of such storms? That's part. That's definitely part of it. Yeah. Because around here, there's no haul-out option to speak of. Nah, but I, you know, from what I understand, I mean, here, because we're so far up the river, you're really, the the damaging effect of a hurricane, which is typically waves, mm-hmm. is is pretty much nil. We get a lot of storm surge up here, and obviously the wind, but I don't know, I almost feel like it'd be a, a decent spot to be because if you do, if your anchor drags or whatever, mm-hmm. you're just going to end up in this, this silty muck. Yeah. You have a point there, but <clears throat> I've met a couple people that told me about what was the hurricane that Florence was at it that came through here. Florence came no. and then Matthew, Matthew, Matthew was the was last one. Yeah. big one where here at this Marina, the docks got so high that it popped those little cones off the pilings. Now, is that like, the one that tore, uh, destroyed Datal? That I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I just, I've seen the pictures. There's actually some pictures up in the, in the lounge of, you know, the walkway and everything. You submerged oh. underwater. And I need to go find it. It's those. pretty cool. Yeah. I was just looking for like new books and stuff up there. Huh. Nice. So, yeah. Okay. So, cruising up there. And then, uh, any, plus it's so damn hot here in the summer. I mean, it's just well, brutal. Get ready because I think it's supposed to get into the 90s in the next couple of days. Yeah, and that's where that's where I know it's time to go north. <laughs> right? It's, it's like holy smokes, 90 is just anything up in that range. Because uh, I don't have any AC. Obviously, you must have AC on your yeah. boat, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> Got your fancy heater when it's too cold. Got your AC when it's too hot. Freaking luxury liner. <clears throat> but you got to be plugged into the dock for it to work. So, yeah, that's true. If you're out cruising and anchoring, it doesn't do any good. It just nope. takes up space. <laughs> <laughs> well, any any uh, future aspirations, uh, international, anything like that? Uh, oh, I'd love to, but that's so hard to predict how that's going to work in the future. You know. Uh, I'm sure it's because gonna, of this COVID mayhem. It'll end up going back to normal as far as international travel and stuff. I could, you know, maybe maybe this winter will still be a little bit regulated, but I mm-hmm. think after that, all those little countries are going to be so starved for tourists. Well, Bahamas opened dollars. up this winter, and I was hoping to get down there, but yeah, but you still have to go in there they, and take tests and oh, get right. and do quarantines Oops and, and yeah. I don't know what all the disclaimer. I don't know what the current regulations are, but people don't want to. And I'm speaking for myself and other people that I know that have not gone down there this year. They don't want to deal with that when they're trying to do their vacations. You know, right? And you so want to go get a drink, right? Just yeah, get in there, the bar, do it, and hit have the fun. beach, right? Yeah. And something somebody brought to my attention I hadn't considered was. What if you go down there and you get sick? Then you can't get back in the United States. That's what a couple people were really concerned about. Well, interestingly enough, um, Dave and Peggy, I'm hoping to have 
both of them on before I leave. Um, but they went to the Bahamas this winter and got their tests, and he was negative, but she ended up being positive. So they had to leave oh, no. and sail back to Florida. They oh. went through some bad weather, I guess. It was just a nightmare. Um, I'm going to get, hopefully, the whole story for, oh, for all the listeners on that one. It's going to be a good one. But, yeah, I mean, that's the sort of hassle – I mean, you just don't want to deal with. I'm used to dealing with grumpy customs agents and, you know, possibly having to have somebody come on board and and search through the boat. Typically, that doesn't even happen, though, especially in the Caribbean. Mm. But I don't know. I I would hate to get in some place and have their country freaking out because, you know, one or two people popped up with COVID. And so they're going to shut everything back down. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Need a little bit of stability. Right. You know? So like you're saying, hopefully in a year or two that'll all chill out. And then, yeah, I definitely want to do some cruising abroad. Yeah? You think uh, about, like, the full Caribbean? Like a whole season down there? Oh, definitely. Dude, it's awesome, man. That seems like a good place to start to me. Go all the way. You can you can do the Bahamas first and then hop down from, like, Puerto Rico and then just go down the chain. Or you just... If you want the offshore action, you go offshore out past I-65, then go all the way south down to, like, Grenada. And right. work your way back up. But yeah, that's an interesting strategy. Typically, though, I know, I know that, well, what is it? I think in the beginning of the winter, normally you're going to get more of a northeast wind. And then as the winter comes to an end, it comes a little more southeast. Oh, okay. So most people typically go down, you know, d- November, December, January, and then start making their way back up February, March, April, and then you get out of there by May. Hmm. Or you get out of there by June, really. Right. I guess. But, you know, those are all, that's all just like typical sort of. Stuff. Right, right. But it is cool because you get, you know, you spend like a week or so in each country and then you hop. It's usually just one day or an overnight sale, if that, right? Uh, to get to the next one, and then you check in, and you get this whole new cultural experience. It's Hang pretty on. cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I'd like to do Central America someday. Ooh, yeah. <clears throat> and if I can still afford the Panama Canal, because by then it might be who knows how much money. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. At the rate they're going, I might have to go around. You know, Cape Horn just to get to the Pacific. <laughs> it might be cheaper. <laughs> right. And, uh, well, I'll tell you, that's when I consider sort of my future sort of sailing, if if my solo days are sort of coming to an end, which I'm not sure, but if they are, I, I still think it would be pretty cool to go and find a boat out on the West Coast and bring it back to the East Coast. Oh, that's via, the smarter way to go for Via sure. the world, yeah. Right, right. I think the only really sketchy part of that would be going, you know, around the Cape of Good Hope. But there's enough ports down there where I think you can really, you can sort of sneak by, uh, especially with, you know, the uh, the weather forecasting and stuff. You you know, you're just going to have to stop in. I, I don't know what all the little places are, but there's basically little areas where you can stop all along that coast in South Africa and everything mm. to, to sort of duck in for bad weather. Cause when those monsters come off of the Southern ocean and hit that Agolis current, it's uh, pretty much hell on earth. Oh, it's really, really bad. It's basically yeah. like uh, their version of the Gulf stream. Oh, okay. So instead of a nor'easter, it's a Southern ocean low, but they're all 
they're hitting each other. They're hitting these currents the same way. And when, so like, you know, when we get, when one rips off a Hatteras, the first, the initial wind is from the Southwest. But once the middle of the storm goes through, then you get your nor'easter. Right. And that's when the waves can be 100 feet. And they stack right up and go. Same thing yeah. down there. It's just opposite. So when the, you know, as the low pressure system passes, then you get the southwest wind and it's hitting the current going the other direction. And right. That's where cruise ships can go and sink down there. I know it's oh. happened quite a bit. Yeah. It's an ugly place, man. Motissier used to be more afraid of that than I think he was Cape Horn. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Huh. He always, he, well, it seemed like they that know. in his reading. Yeah, yeah. And it, it scared me, too, because part of it is that you have to get down there and you're you're trying to round that cape and get into the Indian Ocean for, uh, it took me like 10 days or something. Cape Horn, mm. you know, you have to go really far south. I think I was below 50 degrees south for well over two weeks but there's just something about once you get around the cape and start going north you're just a little bit protected from the worst of a southwest mm, right. you know, wind and all of a sudden there's no swell and all that sort of stuff but i don't know all those capes are scary the fact that you can't go north because there's land it's a feeling of like oh god all right we're vulnerable here. <laughs> not that, not that I could get out of the way of uh, of anything too quickly in this beast, but yeah, know, pros and cons, pros and cons. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I want to go around the capes, but yeah, I mean, there's the whole Pacific. It looks I know, like some right? amazing All stuff those over there. Islands, holy cow! The Marquesas, Galapagos, right. Tahiti. I mean, the whole Tuamotos. You know what's always interested me are those outlier islands, like the Phoenix Islands and just all mm. these these small groupings that are way away where they're really off the beaten path, not a lot of charter boat or not uh, a lot of boat traffic. Right. And, you nice. know, the cultures are still decently intact. Right. I think you get a lot of that in um, Tonga. Yeah. From what I understand, like that's still, I believe that's still like a kingdom, and they're pretty much just like, no, we're we're gonna do our own thing. <laughs> I could be way off because huh. I've never been there, but yeah, well, someday. Yeah, I feel like I I feel like the South Pacific is a place you could get lost for three to five years. I met a guy up in Newburn that he and his wife went through the South Pacific and all that, and it took them five years to get around. Really, I think part of that was because they just. They kept, just loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there lost. there are places where you can you can haul your boat, you know, on these little islands. They just dig ditches for the keel, mm. and then they'll place the boat in there, and it's pretty well safe from you know their cyclone season and all that. Mm. So, yeah, who knows? Might be might be uh, might be in the future. There you go. Would yeah. be interesting. I mean, this boat will take it for sure. This boat definitely would, but. If I'm going to be going in and out of reefs and all that sort of stuff, that's that's a trip where I'd want to have three or four other people on board. Oh. Yeah, so it wouldn't be on this boat. Right, so you'd have some help for yeah. sure. Yeah. My, my idea, I think, for, for whenever that time of my life comes would be to get a boat in that 60-foot range that is really just like kind of like, have you ever seen Captain Ron? Oh, yeah. You know when they walk up to the boat at the dock and it's sort of leaning over and 
<laughs> it's just bucking up and down. That's the kind of boat I'm looking for that I can then work on and fix up and do all that and then invite, you know, four, five, six people on board to go and share in as much of the adventure as they want. But, you know, having having a, a few extra people and stuff, I think that just makes that would be a pretty cool chapter, I think, in life, you know. Well, definitely make those overnight passages a lot easier because you can do watches. and. Oh, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Well, and I could be, you know, sort of the old man of the sea, too. And be like, hey, you guys got it. <laughs> I'll be down below. Quit screwing around. I don't, I don't think I would be like that, but you never know, you know. Power well, corrupts. When I was looking at boats, I was <laughs> up in uh, Maryland, and there was a, a boat, and I'm looking at it and thinking, that's an interesting-looking boat. What is that? And uh, one of the brokers is like, oh, CT-54, which is I think is the Captain Ron boat. But I'm, Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. But I'm thinking, ah, oh, it's too much boat because. Yeah, I mean that's it's big. That I, I've I had a buddy of mine who was given a boat, and it was around like fifty, fifty four feet or something. Wow. I want to say, but it was it looked very similar to Captain Ron boat. I never went on board, but uh, supposedly down below it was just gigantic. Right, it's like being in a tavern. And that's sort of what I am, am looking for. It's just something with, like, four big cabins, you know, just tons and tons of room so that it can actually be. So, so you're going to go from the solo guy to the, the to group the cruise? Big group cruise. Well, I again, just for one chapter, I just think there's so much out there that I'd really like to see. Mm. But, you know, just for peace of mind and then also for a new experience, Um I think I think going out and having that because I know a lot of my friends um, are reaching a point in their lives where they're starting to think like, boy, you know, I'd like to do something else besides work and mm-hmm. earn money and and pay for pay taxes all my stuff, <laughs> man. Like, and and they're There's all got to be more to life. Yeah, yeah. I think they're they're starting to get there, and they're also you know. Uh, I think if COVID taught us one thing, it's that you never know when, when things are just going to go completely wrong. Sideways. Not just with, you know, rules, regulations, but also with one's health. And so you can never count on the fact that you're just going to be healthy the whole time and you'll be all good. And when you're 60, you'll still be feeling Jim Dandy and ready to go. Sort of like, wow, okay, you feel good now. Well, let's go do this. You're absolutely right. The previous owners of my boat well, were, were a couple of doctors, and they were fixing it up because they wanted to be traveling doctors. Oh, nice. And he Boy, suddenly got skill. brain cancer and died just like that. Really? Yeah. <sighs> and so, yeah, there's a lot of boats that have been fixed up, and nothing happened but broken dreams, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, they have a whole uh, fleet out in, or out in Hawaii called Divorce Boats. <laughs> It's serious. It's a real thing. You know, you're looking for a cheap boat. Go out to Hawaii because I guess these guys, it's sort of a, a cliche. Is you know they'll be like, oh, I'm gonna go sail around the world, and they're they go buy a boat on the west coast, and they go by themselves. They you know they always call them divorce boats because supposedly they've left their wives or whatever, and then they make it to Hawaii, and then they sell the boat and mm. fly home. Yeah. Like, boy, that was tough. So there's a whole bunch of divorce boats out there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've heard there's some places where you can get some really good bargains. I, uh, I learned about that too late, but you know. Yeah. No, me, me too. Me too. And once I started working in, uh, boat yards, I realized that a lot of boats in boat yards are actually owned by the boat yard because the people stopped paying their fees and after a set amount of time then the boatyard has it and they just want to get rid of them because they're taking up space and so you know you get in with a couple good boatyards you might be able to find yourself a steal of a deal that's what i'm hoping to uh hoping will be the route that i get to take plus the boat's already in the boatyard so you can just start working on it right there you know i wouldn't be surprised because i i I was interested in a bristol 41 that was up north a ways and uh i started looking into the boat and there's a couple things about it seemed kind of strange and so i thought you know i want to and i i'd asked the broker a few questions he couldn't answer my questions so i thought well i'm gonna ask the previous owner who did the modifications what they thought about them and you know if they were comfortable with the way they did them and so i reached out to the previous owner and started asking him questions they're like wait a minute that boat's for sale. We gave it to this guy. Oh, no. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> i tell you, that's, it's, it's an interesting thing. That tether that has to get cut between owner and boat, mm-hmm. sometimes that doesn't go so easily. You know, a lot of times the owners don't, like, like you're saying. I mean, it's like, oh, well, we gave that guy that boat. <laughs> How, how much did he sell it for? You know, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so, yeah, I decided to give up on that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. Well, Brent, believe it or not, we're already at uh, about an hour and 15 minutes. Holy smokes, what happened? It goes by fast, doesn't no it? No doubt. Yeah, it's fun though, right? Absolutely, a lot. I, I'll tell you, I've... I I don't know. This is like episode like 34 or something like that. And I don't know how many interviews I've done, but the more I do them, the more enjoyable it is just to sort of sit down with somebody one-on-one and just chat. Right. It's it's very nice. It's awesome. And you've been a wonderful guest. Well, thank you. As far as I can tell, looking at this thing, your voice meter has been perfect. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. That's the tricky thing. That's where the only pressure is on me as far as production just making sure that the voice levels are okay because i've had in the beginning it was a little tricky you know you could you could hear me but you couldn't hear the other person but i'm very yes. used to speaking i, in I listen to one or two of those and you, you could tell they were what? getting far away yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah no it's always a work on it but uh, any any parting wisdom um for the audience life is short Bam. enjoy it there you go <laughs> Couldn't said it better myself. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it, just go to podbean.com and you can become a patron and keep the show on the air. Also, if you like the music at the beginning, the album is called Deep Teal and the artist is Adrian Edson. It's available on Amazon Music. And if you want the full story of the trip around the world, the book, the Kindle book, and the audiobook can all be found on Amazon.com, Sailing into Oblivion, the solo nonstop voyage of the mighty sparrow. Fair winds and following seas.